It's so good to um, be here this um, evening to talk to you this first Sunday of 2020. Um, and I don't know how many in the room are New Year's resolution makers. How, let's have a show of hands. I mean, yeah, there's quite a few in the room, quite a few. I'm, I'm not a New Year's resolution maker because I'm a rubbish New Year's resolution keeper. Um, but I, um, it's, I'm actually a Christmas baby. Um, and so I always get quite reflective at the end of the year. Love to think about what's been going on the year, what God's been saying, um, and think about that at the beginning of the new year. Um, and that's actually what I'm going to be um, talking about today, something that I feel like God's been speaking to me about over the past year. Um, but I did have a little Google of popular New Year's resolutions, um, and there were all the kind of classics you'd expect, things like getting fitter, reading more, getting more organized, saving more money. And the kind of common theme that I saw in those resolutions was this whole kind of thing of like trying to be better, trying to be more. Um, and there is nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with a New Year's resolution. Um, but what I'd love to speak about this evening is something that's slightly different. Um, it's basically about saying yes to Jesus. Um, and I just wonder whether at the beginning of this new year, whether that's what God might be calling us to do this in this new year is to say yes to him again. Um, and throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus um, calling people. And what he says to them is say, he says, follow me. Um, and intrinsic in that is, is a, a, a question of response, isn't there? Like if someone asks you to follow them, you've got to say yes or no. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm going to be talking about this evening. That whole thing of saying yes to Jesus and asking ourselves that question. Are we ready to say that now this and continue that in this year? Um, so we're going to be doing that through the um, story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because the Christmas story isn't just for Christmas. It's for the new year too. Um, so um, yeah. And the cool thing about it is I think you get a real snapshot of what Mary was going through as she was asked to do this thing um, by an angel. But also, obviously, with the Bible we have the value of hindsight so we can see what the outcome was as well as the trajectory. So um, we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, um, starting at verse 26 um, through to 38. So feel free, if you've got a Bible and there's some in the pews, feel free to um, open one of those. Um, and then I'm just going to read it. So we're going to read it together. So it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. 
I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So, um, oh, great, it came up. I was thinking I forgot to do that. That's great. Um, So uh, if I was going to summarize that little text, I would entitle it Girl Interrupted. That's not an original. There's actually a film called Girl Interrupted. But that's what I think we see in that. We have this young woman who's just going along in her daily life, and suddenly her life is interrupted by this life-changing greeting. The angel enters the story with a greeting and then just layers this news. He starts by telling her not to be afraid, but that she's going to have a baby and his name will be Jesus. But not only that, the child is going to be the son of the Most High and he's going to be the son of God. And just going to pause here before we go ahead, because I think it's really easy with this story, um, because it's so familiar probably to most people in this room. Um, It's easy to just kind of glaze over it. Um, And even with the nativity, like it's such like a cute, lovely thing, isn't it? It looks so cute and lovely and cozy. But actually, when I've been reading this story in preparation for this talk, it's just reminded me that actually this is nothing but nice. It's actually a really gritty read. Um, So you have this young woman, and she's got her life in order. She's got her man, Joseph. She's got her plan. And everything is just kind of ticking along for everything you'd expect for a woman of her time. And then suddenly, this angel enters and brings her this life-changing news. And it's going to change the course of her life forever. Um, and to me, it's like, this, it's like a massive inconvenience, isn't it? It's a massive curveball. A baby is one thing, but raising the Son of God is quite another, isn't it? Um, and it's so scary. It's like completely uncharted territory. She's being asked to do something that no one in the history of the world has ever, been, has ever done before. And in saying yes, she's saying yes to doing something that's totally out of her comfort zone. And um, after the angel um, speaks to her, Mary says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And again, it's this, it's like basic biology, isn't it? This, it's like, this, it just isn't possible. How is this even a thing? It's scary, it's inconvenient and humanly impossible. But also, on top of all of that, it could have been potentially personally very dangerous for Mary to say yes to what she was being called to do. And again, as I said, with the value of hindsight, we know that God took care of the situation um, and, and spoke to Joseph and everything was okay. But in that moment of being asked face to face with the angel, she had no idea how things were going to pan out. And so in saying yes, she was saying yes to having a baby without a biological father, potentially, who knew what Joseph was going to say? People might have thought she was a liar, a fantasist, um, and maybe she could have been an outcast. So all this stuff that was going to potentially damage her reputation, all for the sake of saying yes to the call that God had placed upon her life. And I don't know whether anybody in this room can relate to um, that, that kind of thing of where you feel like God is calling you to do something that might feel really inconvenient, really scary, and actually through human eyes, actually really impossible. It might be something that feels like uncharted territory um, and that actually being obedient could, to God could actually be a real risk to your reputation. And, um, and 
when I'm talking about the call of God on your life, I'm not just talking about life-changing things like in Mary's situation, um, which is obviously very extreme. But it could be, it could be something like um, God asking you to forgive someone that you know has offended you or um, choosing not to be offended by something that you'd really rather hold on to asking you to treat your money in a way that just feels really, really scary, or speaking up in a scenario that feels like actually it would be really tempting to just hide away. Because if we're really honest, and this is definitely true for me, sometimes it feels like the way that Jesus wants me to live isn't super convenient. It can actually be really embarrassing and really damaging to our reputations, because daily obedience can feel like it runs so counter to the way that I know I would ordinarily like to live, live my life. And I, yeah, feel like I can definitely relate to that. And um, yeah, here's a bit of real talk from me. For over the, um, over the last um, month, um, year maybe, I've been kind of on this journey of figuring out what my response is going to be to something that I feel like God has been calling me to do, particularly in the area of my work. I'm just going to have a drink of water. And although I haven't had a dramatic encounter with an angel, it, it has felt like God is calling me to do something that is massively impossible for me. And it feels really inconvenient and definitely scary. Um, and I'm someone who likes a plan. I love to know like, what's going to happen, what's going to be ahead of me. And particularly in my working life, that has been true. And since about the age of 18, my life has definitely been geared towards um, a very distinct path. When I was um, at university, I I, um, studied law, went to law school after that, um, worked as a paralegal, and then um, uh, trained as a solicitor, um, qualified, and then worked as a solicitor in a charity for a bit. And um, yeah, over the, the last kind of year and a half, I've been navigating a move out of that, all in a bid to try and figure out and grapple with um, what I think God might be calling me to do. And what's been really tricky for me is that um, I think Laura's felt like a massive security blanket for me. It just feels so safe um, and secure. Um, and the idea of having not having a path that's easily kind of visible and laid out ahead of me has felt really scary. And it's also been challenging because in, in terms of the, the whole kind of reputational thing, I happen to have friends who are absolutely smashing it in all they're doing in terms of law. And sometimes I'll, I'll chat to them. And one of them was recently telling me about a family law p- podcast she's doing. Another one was talking about um, the fact she'd been nominated for the second time for Junior Family Lawyer of the Year. And um, and then, you know, like when you're catching up and it comes to you and you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know what's next for me. And it just feels like, God, where, where, where's the plan? What are you doing? And so that's what it's been like for me over the last few months. And I don't know whether you can relate. Maybe there's something going on in you where you just feel like, yeah, I feel like God's in this somewhere. I feel like he's called me to do something, but actually I'd rather not because it doesn't feel secure. It feels scary. It feels a little bit inconvenient. Actually, I feel like it's going to do something damaging to my reputation. 
and it would actually be so much easier for me to just continue where I am. Well, me and you are in good company. And I think that actually, if we read on in Mary's story, we have a few pointers in how we can move forward from that point of being, of wondering how we're going to move forward from that feeling of it's inconvenient, it's scary, it's going to damage my reputation. And I think the first clue is something that the angel encourages Mary in, but also kind of says a similar thing to Joseph. So um, back in verse 35, Mary, when Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel responds by saying, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And then in the angel's interaction with Joseph in Matthew 1 verse 20, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. And the encouragement to both of them in that kind of moment of what's going on is a reminder that it's the Holy Spirit who's at work in both of them. And it seems to me like when I read that, it's almost like the angel is saying, neither of them need to be afraid of what God is doing in their life because it's the power of the Holy Spirit who's at work in their situations. It feels like to me that the angel's almost saying, I know that this sounds bonkers, but you have to remember who you're dealing with here. When the Holy Spirit is at work, the ordinary rules of the game don't apply. In fact, it's a totally different ball game. And I feel like we see that again in the Christmas story all over it. We don't have time to kind of go through all the details, but I feel like it's a story that kind of says the ordinary rules don't apply. Right at the start of the text we were reading, the um, intro is about Elizabeth and the fact that she's well beyond the age of bearing children and she's having a baby. It's like the ordinary rules of the game don't apply. In Luke 2, we see the shepherds being sung to by a company of angels to be told that Jesus is being born. And in Matthew 2, we see three wives men being led across the country by a star to the place where Jesus is born. And then in Matthew 2, we see Joseph being guided by dreams and angels being told when to go, when to stay, when to stop, all in a bid to protect Jesus' life. And I think What's true in this story is also true for us in our lives, that in the midst of our confusion, and our questions about what God's calling us to do, when we're wondering if it feels too inconvenient, too scary, we can remind ourselves that actually, even though it might seem bonkers, when it's the work of the Holy Spirit, it's totally in a different ballgame. The ordinary rules don't apply. And if God's the one who's asked us to do it, we can obey knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to resource it in our lives. And we don't have to worry. And um, if we give him the room to do it, and I think that's a really key thing is it's, it's easy to just feel like, okay, like I know for me, it's easy to kind of be like, yeah, um, it's inconvenient, but not to give God the room to do it. We need to step out and say, yes, we're going to let you in, Holy Spirit, and do your work. And then finally, in that section, the angel says to Mary, no word from God will ever fail. And again, sorry, microphone. And again, it's just that reminder, isn't it, that actually when God has spoken something, when the power of the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives, we don't need to fear what he's doing. And then the second thing that I think gives us a little clue of how to move forward from that place of wondering whether we can say yes to God is actually Mary's response herself. And in verse 38, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
And it's like a little declaration from Mary of who she belongs to and the God she knows she served. And I think that's the really wonderful and funny thing about actually this, this whole thing that Mary was asked to do is that the fact that actually at the heart of what she was being asked to do in a very literal way, she was being asked to invite Jesus literally into her family. She was giving, being given an invitation to a person. And I think wherever we are on our, our journey to faith, um, whatever, however long we've known Jesus or if we don't know Jesus at all, he's actually giving us an invitation to himself and into a partnership with him and basically a proposal. Um, and I actually witnessed a very random proposal very recently, a very public proposal. Um, it was in a nightclub in Angel, if you believe it, which is, it was so random. And this isn't a lie. In fact, some people in the room were here. Libby, you were there. And um, literally in the middle of this 90s music, the music stopped, the DJ got on the stage, and he was like, someone here wants to ask a question to someone in the room. And this person got on the stage and asked this person to marry them. And uh, yeah, they said yes. Um, and even though I, I was definitely thinking, this is such a surreal thing, why would that person say yes in that moment? It really made me think that actually, in the, at the heart of a proposal, you're being invited to a person, aren't you? It's an invitation to a person. And that's why that person said yes in that very bizarre proposal. And yeah, my thought on that is, is that whatever obedience we sense God is calling us to in our lives, we cannot forget who it is who's asking us to do it. And in the Bible, we read the most incredible picture of, of the God that, that I serve. And he revealed in Jesus Christ. And he's someone who can be trusted because of who he is, but also what he's done. And we read about a God who's full of grace, who's full of truth, who's compassionate, who can heal us, who is able to redeem the worst parts of us and is under no illusions about the realities of who we are. And he understands what it is to be human. He's the God who chose to live amongst us. And in Hebrews 4, verse 16, it tells us that Jesus is the one who can sympathize with our weaknesses because he's been tempted anyway. That's the God who's asking us to partner with him. And even more than that, he's the one who understands what it is to say yes to something that will cost him everything. Jesus, we know, said yes to the cross for the sake of bringing us back into relationship with the Father. And that's the same God who's rose again and who is the one who's actively calling us today to partner with him, actively calling us to follow him. And just like Mary, proposing himself to her. And so I just wanted to, us to remember that actually those two things, that we can rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we can remember, when we remember the God who we serve, we can say yes to playing our part in it. And I think Paul puts it really beautifully in a letter that he writes to Timothy when he's, um, he's actually in prison, but he's talking about um, his service for the gospel. And he says in the message translation, I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. And I think the same is true for each and every one of us. We can be sure of the ground that we're standing on because of the one who's calling us. And so um, my final encouragement to myself, 
more than anything, for everybody in this room as we kind of go into the beginning of 2020 is as we hear Jesus calling us to follow him in, in any way in the kind of daily aspects of our lives, whether it's like the, the bigger life-changing things, whether it's in our relationships, in our finances, whatever it is, we can, we can say yes and continue to keep saying yes because of the creative power of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling presence of God in our lives, but also the God who's calling us to follow him. And yeah, my encouragement to myself is to let those things trump the uncertainty, to trump the fear, to trump that feeling that maybe it's going to cost us our reputation, to let those things, let faith rise within us and, and partner with him.